Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your word, Lord. Uh, we just pray that you teach us this morning, that you uh, show us what your heart is for us and our relationships here. Lord, continue to just work in our lives, work in our hearts, work in our minds. Guide us into your will and not our own. Uh, Lord, I, I surrender myself to you that this be your message to your people and to even myself as well. Lord, just continue to uh, guide us all into your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Genesis 33, get your stretch on. We're going to go a little deep today, but I'm going to tell you who's ready to talk about freedom. It's, it's a topic that we love so much at Fusion Church. And because we've seen so much of what God has done in so many people's lives when it uh, comes to the topic of freedom. And of course, we're not talking about constitutional freedom, but the freedom that was bought and paid for uh, by Christ so that we can live in a life that's devoted to him, uh, that's worshiping him, and that is accomplishing his will. Um, and so we get to see this amazing story in Genesis. So a, a recap into 32, chapter 32, that uh, Jacob, or otherwise Israel now, as God renamed him, uh, it's going to, the text still refers to him as Jacob, but we know that the new name for him is Israel. Um, Jacob had sent a whole, like, bundle uh, gifts to Esau um, in anticipation that Esau was probably still very mad. I think as we look at the back of what um, Jacob and Esau were fighting against and, and swindling and trying to manipulate their way into um, provision and graces and, uh, and birthrights and things of this nature and just always being uh, having animosity against each other to where one parent favored the other and the other parent favored the opposite. And it was just this, it, it wasn't a happy childhood, really, if you will, growing up uh, in young adult life, pretty much, for Jacob and Esau. And so Jacob's fearful that, wow, you know, I'm going to see my brother again. He might want to kill me. <laughs> he might want to come up against me. This is not going to look good. So, um, and just a quick recap, he gives a huge gift and sends it out to Esau, um, starting in verse 15, or excuse me, 14, 200 female goats and 20 uh, male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 <clears throat> milk camels and their colts. 
40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. Then he delivered uh, to the hands of his servants every, uh, every drove by itself and sent it to uh, his servants, passing it over. All of this was sent over to Esau basically in waves because there was so much of it. It had to be done uh, in different waves so that he could even receive it. And hopefully he's like, um, maybe I can soften his heart. So let's see as we read um, 33 now and what happens when they meet together. Verse, um, verse one, I'm reading out of the New King James as I typically do. Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked looked and there Esau was coming and with him 400 men so he divided the children among <clears throat> Leah Rachel and the two maidservants and he put the maidservants and their children in front Leah and her children behind and Rachel and Joseph last then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And he lifted his eyes and saw the uh, women and children and said, who are these with you? So he said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maidservants came near, they and their children, and bowed down. And Leah also came near with her children, and they bowed down. Afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. Then Esau said, what do you mean by all this company which I met? And he said, these are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough. My brother, keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand in as much as I have seen your face as though I have seen the face of God. And you were pleased with me. Please take my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. So he urged him and he took it. Then Esau said, let us take our journey, let us go, and we will go before you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are weak, and the flocks and herds which are nursing are with me. And if the men should drive them hard one day, all the flock will die. Please let my Lord go ahead before his servant. I will lead on slowly at a pace which the livestock that go before me and the children are able to endure until I come to my Lord and Seir. And Esau said, now let me leave with you some of the people who were with me. But he said, what need is there? Let me find favor in your sight, uh, in the sight of my Lord. See, or so Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. And Jacob journeyed to Sukkoth, both himself, uh, built himself a house and made booths for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place is called Sukkoth. Then Jacob came safely to the city uh, Shechem, 
which is in the land of Canaan. When he came from uh, Padan Aram, he pitched his tent before the city and he brought the parcel of land and he bought the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamor. Shashem's father <clears throat> um, for 100 pieces of, of money. Then he erected an altar there and called it El Elhor Israel. The word of the Lord. So we see that right at the beginning, Jacob lifts his eyes and sees Esau coming. Not just Esau, but there's 400 men accompanying Esau. This looks like an army coming at him. Uh, and I'm sure at that point, Jacob's like, I don't have an army. <laughs> like, oh no, my brother is mad. <laughs> Something happened. Something is a little weird here. And so he takes his family and puts them in this kind of array uh, where he one stands in front of them, but then arranges them in such a way that kind of shows uh, who his favorites are. We see the favorites that he has. It's first the unnamed maid servants and their children. You can you you can be up front if you will. If this was a battle array, it would be you got you guys would be the the first fodder to just like you know take the brunt of a hit. <laughs> and then you see Leah and her uh, kids. Of course, they're kind of in the middle. But his first love and the only child that's by name. Um, Joseph is in the in the rear so that they are more likely to be taken um, uh, or live through the scenario if this was to turn into a fight he kind of does this in this uh, very like hey this is this is my favorite my favorite in the back so that, you know they can live and it's it's a little it's like, wow, I'm sure Leah was like, wow, okay, I see where I stand. You know, I've given you the most kids. I've done the most for you. Why am I not more favored? Uh, but it is what it is. Esau does something what is very unexpected. In verse four, he comes up and, he's, and it says, but Esau ran to meet him. And embraced him, fell on his neck, and kissed him, and they wept. So he's first coming in with 400 guys. It looks like he's not too happy. Jacob's like, I guess he didn't really take my enormous, elaborate present very well. But yet, Esau runs to meet him. This is, um, this is a pretty powerful moment right here in this verse. The two brothers that had been at, at each other's throats had been um, trying to swindle favor of their dad back and forth from each other um, to even deceiving their father to get what they want over the other. Even God himself uh, proclaimed that the older will serve the younger which is, you know, of course, a, a very against culture, even culture today, but m even more so predominantly back in their day, is that the older is 
normally the one in charge out of the siblings. The older is the one that holds most of the honor in the home out of all the siblings. And here we're seeing this power struggle between the two uh, as they grow up. And so rightfully so, Jacob is very nervous uh, for this encounter with his brother. They, did, they have a lot of past hurt. They have a lot of past betrayal between each other. They have a lot of past just anger and bitterment. They have a lot to be resentful for and a lot to regret in their actions, both of them. And so this meeting is very uh, intense. Um, I think a lot of us can probably think of it as maybe even our own lives, our own siblings, uh, or our own friends, or uh, even parents, just somebody you're in close relationship with or once was. We've had hurts from others, either over minor to major differences or issues in our lives. And we see that um, sometimes this is, you know, where we need to seek freedom from this pain and bitterment, uh, hostility and issues and um, continued struggle in wanting to love because anger comes so easy. And this is just a beautiful chapter where Esau runs to meet him, embraces him, falls on his neck with otherwise it's a hug and where he's just laying his weight on him because the emotion of this scenario, the emotion of this embrace is so much that he's just, I'm, I'm laying it all on you. I'm so sorry, like this is a, an embrace that no words need to be spoken, but the picture and the understanding is perfectly clear. He lays on his neck and kisses him and they, not he, but they both, they weep together. When sometimes these are the things that have to happen when words are not available. When words aren't available, these mean more than words. And these actions and these embraces are things that we, that we have to kind of, if you will, go through and actually portray sometimes in our lives to make sure that we get past issues. That we see that unity among the family, unity among brothers, unity among sisters, unity within the body of Christ, unity among friends and family matter more than past differences. As much as we all love to say, and, and it's very true, that each of us are very different, the, the real simple fact is our differences are so much more minute and smaller than all the things that make us in common. All of us on this call, all of us listening to uh, this later on, all of us across this world have so much more in common as children of God have made in his image than the differences in which we point out more often than our similarities.
here we see the reconciliation between brothers between brothers that we would probably consider never to have been reconciled again in life. And many times in our own situations, we sometimes look at each other and talk about a scenario in our past and say, that'll never get healed. That'll never get fixed. That'll never not be painful again. And here, honestly, this is the blessing that I think God actually gave Jacob when he wrestled with him in the last chapter. We see that he that in the back when Jacob wrestled with God at the end of chapter 32, that it said uh, um, he blessed him. But that's it. It just said in <clears throat> verse 29 at the end of it, he blessed him there. But it doesn't say what the blessing was. realize that sometimes God's blessing comes at his own time and at his perfect time and it's not always about money and it's not always about possessions and it's not always about these things that uh, we we think of first and foremost in a, such a earthly world in a physical mindset but the blessing of freedom of pain in our hearts being relieved, reconciliation among brothers, and unity within the body of Christ. We see this embrace together. Jacob, you know, and, and here's the funny thing is that actually when you read it, uh, and when you study the Hebrew of this, when he's talking about uh, that Esau ran to him and embraced him, it, there's actually this funny, it's, it's a play on words in the uh, Hebrew language that he's actually making a pun out of it. He's making a dad joke a little bit uh, in the writing here where he's, it's this word that plays off of in the last chapter where he wrestled with God, but here he's not, he expected to be wrestling with his brother, but instead they're embracing it's this flipped idea of where he expected a fight, but instead it was freedom. They unclenched their fists and they embraced each other. How many of us are walking around with clenched fists still? How many of us have clenched fists and with a name written on it? Somebody that hurt us. Somebody that we look back and betrayed us. Somebody that has said things either to our face or behind our back or regardless of how or when that it hurts so bad that your fist just clenches up at the hearing of their name. It's like their fist had names on them written for them but here we see that those named fists were opened up and became an embracing love that let go of that hurt that let past be the past and that unity matters more than division that loving embrace here 
the deep forgiveness and love that is happening so much so that they're releasing it all that they're just weighing on each other's neck that the, the hug is so much that their knees are almost buckling and they're just laying on it on each other and then he kisses him it's another act of uh, embracing a deep emotional way of just saying i love you as brothers and family just kiss each other on the cheek and as even in the New Testament says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Whatever the cultural way of giving honor and respect and love and appreciation to each other, this is basically what the commandment is, is to love and respect each other with good embrace. And here it is a kiss between brothers. Sometimes our lips say more when we're not speaking. Sometimes the act means more than the words we could say. This beautiful symbol of seeing these two come together, reconciling their differences without even bringing it up. They don't hash out the past. They don't re-give each other ideas or reasons why they did what they did in their past. They just let it go. We see that God has worked in both of their hearts simultaneously. Too often that, you know, when we look at something that happened in our past, we excuse ourselves because we know and we see how we have matured and grown since then. We may forgive ourselves of what we've done and we realize that we have matured and grown and we hope that the other understands that, but do we actually give credit to the other person in saying, I bet that, and I hope that they have matured and grown from them as well? Or do we keep that idea that they are still just as foolish and childish as they once were whenever whatever happened? If God's working in our heart, isn't he working in others? Aren't we praying for God to work in other people's hearts as well as just as much as our own? Shouldn't we want to see God working in other people's hearts? Because revival isn't coming just because one heart is changed, but revival comes when multiple hearts are changed. And that includes those that hurt us in the past. May we pray that God continues to change others' hearts, including our own, and growing us and growing others to him and to his ways. This is where freedom comes from. This is how freedom comes about in our lives, is when hearts are willing to let go, Hearts are willing to love. I kind of look at areas in our lives and in our hearts as ways of kind of like looking at it in a, in a real estate type market. 
we have areas in our in heart and that if we hold on to bitterness and we hold on to anger and we hold on to um, regret or past issues, whoever that belongs to is taking up real estate in your heart and dirtying it up. Nobody wants a, a neighborhood that is dirtied up. Nobody wants to live in that type of neighborhood. So in the real estate of our hearts, why are we giving into that and allowing that to live in that neighborhood? Why are we allowing uh, real estate to sit there when that could be used for love and joy, when even some of that can be used, that time that we have in our hearts that we're even focusing on the hurt and pain, why is that not devoted to loving our spouse? Why is that not devoted to loving our children? Why is that part of our heart not devoted to loving God? Those areas must be freed, must be let go, because <laughs> those of us that have been there and done that will tell you that holding on to bitterness holding on to anger, holding on to all of these uh, emotions and hurt takes up so much more energy than it does to love. Takes up so much more mental uh, real estate, so much more time, so much more issues, so much more of in our hearts that it just blocks off. Not only does it limit in, uh, the pathway for God to work in our lives and limits the amount that God is actually in your life because you're putting up a barrier, but you're also that barrier has no door, has no names, and that barrier holds off the ones that you actually do love. This is why tearing down these walls, this is why this story is so beautiful. This is why this story is so encouraging. That after seeing what these two brothers have gone through and done to each other, that reconciliation is possible. That reconciliation is beautiful. That reconciliation is needed, freeing. And could you imagine being the wife and children watching the father go through this right in front of you. I'm sure Rachel had gotten a good understanding of the animosity between the two of them and was also very nervous for this encounter. It doesn't say it, but I'm sure that to a point she was even maybe weeping or just overjoyed by seeing her husband receive freedom from the pain between him and his brother. They go through this back and forth with um, looking at the, the gift that he got. And actually, he's also, again, there's another kind of pun on words that Esau is actually doing, uh, as it's written in the Hebrew, though. And he's talking about, um, in verse 8, and then Esau said, what do you mean by all this company which I met? What he's saying is like, dude, what do I do with this giant camp 
that you sent me you sent me like a, a zoo bro like are you serious like what am i going to do with all that it's probably going to take me more work to actually take care of the gift that you gave me because it was so much and he probably said these 400 guys behind me that's how many people i need to take care of the gift that you gave me because it was so elaborate he's like doing a comparison in the uh in the hebrew of saying how you basically sent me a whole camp what why 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 wow and he's saying that look even though i didn't get the birthright even though i didn't get the blessing from our father our heavenly father has still blessed me i don't need all of this you keep it it's not needed for our reconciliation and of course jacob is saying no <clears throat> if you have forgiven me if i have received favor in your sight if you call me brother if you love me just go ahead and take it just take it i need you to know how much i love you i need you to know how much i forgive you i need you to know how much i hope you forgive me take it so he does receive it after urging him he takes it it's a good it's a it's part of what we have it's part of like this back and forth in their culture to first not receive it up front and we kind of do this right guys do this when we go to dinner right you're like i'll get the check no i'll get you better give me that check you ever seen like uh, uh, people when they get together and they're all having a meal and uh, they're like who's gonna have the check and it's when good friends and good family are coming together and they and they squabble over who's gonna pay for the check i see it sometimes with uh, my dad and his friends and uh I've done it before with others. And it's just out of mutual respect. It's a, it's a funny fight, a joke, anyway, of who's going to honor who by paying for the meal. And those are the good arguments we should have in life. Those are the funny um, little arguments that we should have in life of who's going to honor the other more. We see even the honoring in his language, in the language that Jacob or otherwise Israel is saying to his brother Esau, he's calling him Lord. And he has his wives and children bowing down to him, and he bows to him seven times before he even embraces him. He's doing this even though God has said that the older will serve the younger, the younger is here in the culture and saying that you are my older brother and he's calling him lord he's saying if my lord will bless me he's he's giving him honor he's serving his brother so much so that he wants freedom from the pain and to re reunite a good relationship with his brother that he serves him. 
Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. Greater is the one that serves. So even when he's trying to give him honor and serve him as being the greater one, still in reality, Jacob is the greater one because the one that serves is actually the one greater in heaven. And we see such a beautiful picture today. I pray that this encourages you in whatever has gone on in your life, whatever person has hurt you, whatever belief you think you have that reconciliation between somebody is not possible. May I say that that mentality is basically denying the power of God. Who are we to cap the power of God in our lives and others? Who are we to say what God cannot do? God can make a way for anything. And we see it here in their hearts, and we've seen it in so many other places in this beautiful book we call the Bible of how God has always made a way when it, in our earthly minds it feels impossible. It feels unavailable, even when we feel unworthy of God's way. He still makes a way because we have such a good, good father that is this faithful. We see at the end how actually the brothers did not go to the same city together and they moved on and they recognized that you don't have to literally live next to each other and have like this happy thing to be reconciled with each other and to have a good relationship. So they, they reckon they realized that and uh, Jacob is st staying with what God has called him to do is to go back to Canaan. And he goes back to Canaan. He sets up uh, his home, builds his shelter and house and uh, his farm and uh, everything else he needs for all of his livestock that he has and his family. He actually buys the land properly. So, um, so he's in good standing. But once he's unpacked, He's reached where God has asked him to go. He fulfills his promise back to the Lord. Back in Genesis 28, where he says, if you bring me back here home, you will be my God. He, Jacob remained good on his promise. And he erects an altar, and he calls it El Elo Israel, otherwise God, the God of Israel, recognizing his new name and recognizing who he worships. Let us worship our God today. Let us thank him for all that he's done. For those of us that have been through our freedom curriculum and our freedom class here at Fusion Church, 
we know the power in which God has when it comes to freedom. We know the, the wonderfulness that it is to let go of past hurt and shame, guilt and issues and, and anger and bitterment. We know how wonderful that is. May that not stop with us. May we share that good news. May we share that capability in which God has to do the impossible. May we lean not on our own understanding. Forgiveness is so much better than resentment. Let's press in today. Let's share what God has done in our lives. And let's encourage others to let go of bitterness and betrayal, pain and hurt. Let's seek unity amongst each other instead of division. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this beautiful story between these two brothers that, quite honestly, in our own worldly mind, in our own earthly mind, in our own way of thinking would easily discredit the capability of these two ever reconciling with each other. That the bitterness between each other and the, the hurt and the pain and the betrayals that they have done to each other would never be able to be reconciled, forgiven, and moved on from. But God, because of what you do, what you're capable of, and your love for us, what you do in people's hearts is beyond what we can do. So Lord, we worship you today. We thank you today. We press into you today and we ask you for your love and your hand in our hearts and our minds and lord we ask for your hand to be in the hearts of those that maybe we still have unresolved issues with that we have bitterness or uh, problems or anger towards may the fists in our lives with names written on them be loosened and opened up May we embrace those that we once hurt and hated. Lord, may we come together as family. May we come together as a body of Christ. May we focus more on our similarities, that all of us are made in your image and no one else's. Lord, may we look at all what makes us all your children instead of differences. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray for your healing hand in everyone's lives today. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen.